fairy tales, children's stories about magical and imaginary beings and lands, often the first lens we give young minds to view the world they live in. Many assume these are fictional stories to be taken lightly, but what if there is more to them? This is a podcast where we'll tell you some myths and tales that you thought you knew, and we'll show you how they are connected to real-life crimes today. This is Scary Tales, where the stories of your childhood meet real-life horror. We'll discuss how the light and happy tales of youth actually have a darker history to them. We'll also discuss true crime today and some of the eerie connections they have to the myths and legends of yesterday. Tune in for a new tale every other Tuesday. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere you stream your podcast. It's um, your girls. Hannah and Lacey. Oh, Lacey Hannah. Lacey and Hannah. Oh. I, this, I'm really excited about this episode. You know. The story that we're talking about, the snack break. But you know. I know. My heart. I know. This is, this, one of your fa- this is one of your favorites. It, I think this is going to be my favorite episode of all time. <gasps> well, and... It's probably going to be a two-part, so you might have two right? favorite episodes. Well, here's the even, here's the thing of the thing. Okay, it might be four, five, six <laughs> parts because today we are only covering Alice in Wonderland. I know, but there is also Alice through, through the, the Looking, Looking glass. glass. I know. So y'all just and, we, and we might have a we've we've dabbled with the idea of having a tea party with our friends and um, asking them about some of their favorite fairy tales. So yep, this, so it really the, could be a. A whole series. Right. So I hope you guys like Alice in Wonderland as much as we do. I think I said on the first episode, it's in my top three. We got Lion King, Pocahontas, and then Alice in Wonderland. Which we've already done Pocahontas, so mm-hmm. you can go back and listen to that. But here's Alice in Wonderland. Here it is. So Actually, excited. before we jump into Alice in Wonderland. We have an update. We have an update. Uh, we have to, uh, We have a, what is the word I'm looking for? We're in a pickle. Or we have a bone to pick. Okay. You want me to tell? Yeah. Okay. And then you get, the, uh-huh. you, okay. So... Uh, shout out to my friend Dana, who's a Scary Tales fan. She sent me an article posted by National Geographic on January 28th, 2021, giving an update on the Dyatlov's Pass, mm-hmm. which we featured in our Frozen episode. I feel like we were the first ones to feature Frozen plus Dyatlov's Pass. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm wrong. I've, that, that combination. Yeah, that combination. So she sends me this article. First paragraph says, a 62-year-old adventure mystery that has prompted conspiracy theorists around Soviet military experiments, yetis, and even extraterrestrial contact may have its best, most sensible explanation yet. One found in a series of avalanche simulations based in part on car crash experiments and animation used in the movie Frozen. They listen to the podcast. Do you think National Geographic listens to our podcast? Absolutely, I do. I hope so. So if you don't know what we're talking about, you should go back and listen to our Frozen slash Dyatlov Pass episode, because more and more information just keeps coming out on that. But And and uh, another shout out to Anna, because she's just like super fan now. She sent me another article published by Newsweek on uh, February 10th, 2021. Title is Dyatlov Pass Tourists Go Missing While Visiting Mis- Area of Mysterious Hiking Incident. Mm-hmm. They're so always people are still going on. missing. That's right. And they think that, you know, they did some, they analyzed Frozen and that helped them figure out. But before they even did that, they analyzed us. Apparently. That's and what we're I'm going to go with. we're just helping the world. That's what, I, that's what I'm going to go with. Wow. I'm going to pretend like National Geographic listens to our podcast. They absolutely do. So that was a fun little update. All right. So Alice in Wonderland. 
All right. As, as we do. As we do. We'll give you a short Disney summary in case you haven't seen the movie. If you haven't, what are you doing with your life? It's one of my favorites. It, okay. But it's one of your favorites. I have a, a memory of it being one of my dad's least favorites because it's just so... It's utter nonsense. I don't, it's utter nonsense. Uh-huh. It feels like a big drug-induced Oh, and we'll, mess, get to, we'll get to that. Which we will. But my dad can distinctly remember one night where we had all gone to bed and then he heard voices in like the living room mm-hmm. and he wakes up and he comes out into the living room and Alice in Wonderland is playing on the TV. Yes. And he just, ever since, I mean, he never liked it really in the first place. He thought it was like the most bizarre of all the Disney movies that mm-hmm. I watched growing up. But after that, he was like kind of freaked out by it. Right. So well, I feel like parents don't love it. Kids, my, my mom Kids do. It. Your mom does like it. Mm-hmm. She did, y'all did we're a, not, we're, uh, what is um, the word I'm looking for? We beat to the beat of our own drum. I know. I like that. Y'all mm-hmm. had a, a Alice in Wonderland themed birthday party. Not only. I did for my mom. Yeah. Um, she, I, I had it at this really nice hotel and I made everybody little mad hatter hats, but also my bridal tea was Alice in Wonderland themed. Oh, I didn't realize that. So That's yeah, awesome. like, yeah. And yeah. we're, and we're pretending like you're named after. Oh, we'll get to that. Alice. Uh-huh. That's what I'm going to. Yeah. So if you're interested in what that here. means, you stick around. Sit tight. So, so Lacey, give us the Disney summary. All right. So the movie starts off her, Alice and her mom are sitting by a tree and they're doing schoolwork. As any of us be, Alice is really bored and she gets distracted when a white rabbit who's in like a little coat and has a little clock runs by and she follows him down a rabbit hole where she falls for a very long time and eventually makes her way into Wonderland. And Wonderland is just this nonsensical, absurd, pretty much psychedelic trip where down is up and up is down and everything is just... Nonsense. There's so many bizarre things. There's sea creatures. There's Tweedledee and Tweedledum. There's singing flowers at one point. A hookah smoking caterpillar. A disappearing Cheshire cat. A Mad Hatter and a March Hare having a tea party with a dormouse. <laughs> just, Why not? Uh, just all the things. And Alice eventually finds herself in the company of the Queen of Hearts, and they begin a game of croquet, as one does. The Queen gets mad at Alice, and Alice is put on trial. The trial goes really badly. The queen is wanting to cut off Alice's head. which off with her head. Mm-hmm, this is a children's story, so love that. <laughs> yeah. The queen gets her card guards to chase Alice in order to catch her and behead her. And she escapes through the, the door. Or excuse me. Right before she escapes through this door, she wakes up and she is back under the tree with her mom. So the whole question is, was this all a dream? It seems like. It seems like a, a hot mess fever dream. It does. But the, it's also not official. So it, it, the, mm-hmm. it's up to you. It is. The viewer. Could was be. it a dream or was it was it all real? Mm-hmm. So all of this is based off what, Hannah? The book, mm-hmm. which was not originally called Alice in Wonderland. No. But was, I think he did a great thing I, there. I think that was a good mm-hmm. move. It was originally called um, Alice... In the underground? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Which just sounds like she's dead. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> just sounds like you've been buried. So uh, change the title. Change some other things. Uh, in the movie, uh, Alice it runs into a group of sea creatures running in circles to get dry. Mm-hmm. Um, in the book, the leader of this group is a mouse. 
Uh, when asked how the creatures would get dry, the mouse shares the driest thing he knows, which is an excerpt of a short history course on history, which was written in 1842. But I like that in the, in the movie, they're running around in a circle to get dry and the waves keep crashing on them. Yeah, so it's pointless. Running with the sea creatures. But the mouse is like, how do I, how do y'all get dry? I'll, I'll tell you the driest thing I know. Which would have been funny for the adults uh-huh. reading or listening. And I think a lot of children's stories do that. They, they drop in some, uh, adult jokes or like puns or things like that that only adults would get mm-hmm. that probably would have gone way over the kids heads right. but I, I think you see that a lot in children's mm-hmm. stories also uh alice doesn't technically even meet Tweedledee and Tweedledum or the singing flowers in alice in wonderland aka originally alice in the underground until the sequel which is alice through the looking glass and those are two of the like characters I remember the most. Mm-hmm. Like Tweedledee and Tweedledum are the two of the characters I remember the most. Uh, this is probably your favorite uh, difference that did not make it to the movie Why that you not? probably wish. There is a giant puppy in the book mm-hmm. that Alice gets to play with. He's like the only normal character in the book. The yeah, only he thing doesn't that, speak. He doesn't yeah. talk in poems or give riddles <laughs> or smoke anything. He's just a puppy mm-hmm. that she plays with. I know that's your that's like your favorite thing. The whole interaction that happens between Alice and the caterpillar does happen in the book. Just but a, it's a few differences. But it's a little different, yeah. Um, in the movie, the caterpillar has Alice quote this old like children's poem or rhyme called How Doth the Little. In the book, he has her quote this old poem called You Are Old, Father William. Mm-hmm. The whole reason for her quoting this was she was trying to recite a poem that she knew from childhood to like prove that she wasn't totally crazy because uh-huh. she kind of sounds right. crazy. And as soon as she sits and starts to recite the poem, like she, she can't get it right or she does the wrong verse or she can't remember the words. And so it's supposed to be a way that she's like, Oh no, it would be like if I was like recite twinkle, twinkle little star and, and you I couldn't, couldn't remember it. it. And I'm it just was, like Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Right. It would freak you mm-hmm. out. And that's kind of what, what this whole part is. So he, he tells her that she's not quoting it correctly, and then he tells her how how doth the little how how doth it go, which is how doth the little crocodile improve his shining tail and pour the waters of the Nile on every golden scale, how cheerfully he seems to grin, how neatly spread his claws and welcomes little fishes in with gently smiling jaws. And he's just like token on the hookah the whole time. The whole time, and in the in the movie. It's Tweedledee and Tweedledum who recite "You Are Old, Father William," which is this poem about um, a son and this old his older father, and the older father can do like cartwheels and just stuff that doesn't make sense for being an elderly man. Which, sure, I know. <laughs> There's so much about this story that doesn't make sense, but because the whole premise is that none of this makes sense, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, love yep. that. Uh, there are whole chapters in the book that don't even happen in the movie, as per usual. And I can see why this one that you're fixing to mention did yes. not make it to the movie. Yes. So. Uh, which, again, people have to read, they have to cut, they have to edit, or else this would be way too long. But in the book, Alice comes across the Duchess's home. And inside, the Duchess is nursing a baby boy while a Cheshire cat rests at her feet. So there's part of the Cheshire cat. There's a cook in the room, and he is obsessed with using too much pepper and it causes everybody in the room to sneeze. So the cook begins to throw things at the Duchess and the baby. Just, I guess he's upset that everybody's sneezing or that no one likes his cooking because there's way too much pepper. So the Duchess then begins to throw the baby up and down to try to calm the baby. Mm -hmm. 
while reciting a poem about shaking babies and throwing babies up in the air. <laughs> it's a scary tale. And she eventually gives the baby to Alice, who is technically seven in the book. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if it talks about her age in the movie, but I don't picture her being seven. Mm-hmm. She seems a little older. So she gives the baby to Alice, and the baby turns into a pig. And this could be a nod to the fact that, and we'll talk about Carol, Lewis Carroll in a minute. He was known to not like little boys, only girls. And apparently that was like big in the culture at that time. Like young girls were in this Victorian England were kind of seen as like these dolls. Mm-hmm. Like the way we people fan, you know, fantasize over these little dolls of girls and you don't really see that as much for boys. So apparently that's what the culture was like. But still, that chapter was weird. Just... Yeah, when I was reading the chapter titles, I was like, the pig? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't remember. There are a lot of animals in Alice in Wonderland, but I did not remember a pig. Mm-hmm. I remember the cat, the caterpillar, the walrus. Yeah. Not a pig. Also, and this bothers me, Alice, the tea party wasn't even in the original story. Of Alice of Underground. Alice, of Alice's you know, adventures underground. Mm-hmm. Um, that was added later. In the book, the characters are drinking wine. Well, not. Y- Well, he offers her wine, and she says, okay, I would like some. And when she goes to get it, there isn't any. And she says, how rude is it that you offered me wine and there's not any? And he's like, how rude is it that you sat down at my tea party and I didn't invite you? And we're just like, boom, yeah, roasted. Again, she's seven, (laughs) so probably a good idea that you didn't actually give a seven-year-old wine. Um, There is lots of drinking. There's drinking the potions, drinking the tea. There's the wine in the book. In the book and the movie, there's this quote that, Pretty famous. Why is a raven like a writing desk? Lewis Carroll did not have an answer in he mind when he wrote this. Which has played people for years. Yeah, which people have tried to answer this for years. Same. Because why would you put a riddle in? Because riddles hurt your brain, and especially Mm -hmm. if they're riddles that have no answer. But he he eventually, there was an uproar that there wasn't an answer to this, so he eventually gave an answer, and his answer was, they both can produce notes, both are very flat, and it is never put with a long end in front. But my favorite, my favorite, this is just perfect because I love Edgar Allan Poe. The, my favorite theory is that Edgar Allan Poe wrote on both. Oh, I like Get that. Get that? Yeah. yeah. And I love Edgar Allan Poe. I teach mm-hmm. Edgar Allan Poe, so yeah. we love a good fan theory. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with that one. I'm going to go with Edgar Allan Poe. Yep. Uh, so speaking of the Mad Hatter, in the book, the Hatter also explains, along with this riddle that he gives with no answer, he also explains that there's a difference between meaning what you say and saying what you mean, which mm-hmm. I feel like it's a good lesson. Right. Do you want to tell us about the three sisters and the Dormouse? Uh-huh. Because we, like I said earlier, I think we are going to assume that you, we're, we're pretending like you were named after Alice. Mm-hmm. So at the tea party, there's also a little Dormouse. He's also in the movie. And he starts to tell a story about these three sisters that live in the bottom of a molasses well. Which, what is a molasses well? What is this story? And the name of these three sisters are Lacey, Essie, and Tilly. And it's Lacey spelled like my name is spelled L-A-C-I-E. And the the reason for that is because if you rearrange the letters. Uh Uh-huh. If you rearrange the letters, it spells Alice. And it also, Essie and Tilly is a play off a rearrangement of her sister's name. So Essie. I think it's Elsie. isn't it Elsie? Because that's the oh, initials. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Elsie. Um, her sister's name was Lorena Charlotte, so the oh, initials L. would be Elsie, so Elsie. And then her other sister's name was Matilda, 
so Tilly for short. So you got Lacey, Elsie, and Tilly. So, the, and I I would like to think that my mom named me after this, but she didn't. Our little little girl living next door to them, her name was Lacey. But I, I do like that's the only other time I've ever seen Lacey spelled that way. Yep. And I didn't I didn't realize that until I started researching this, and I was like, see, there's just so many connections to this favorite. in my life. How serendipitous! I love it. There are through a series of events different than the book. Alice eventually finds her way to the Queen of Hearts garden where there's the game of croquet. So end result is the same, Mm -hmm. even though the way she gets there is different. In the movie, they use flamingos as mallets. Mm -hmm. uh, But in the original story, they use ostriches. I can see where they changed it up. Getting an ostrich, like holding an ostrich would be more difficult than a flamingo. Yeah. Why not? (laughs) Also, the Duchess has more of a role in the book. The lady we were talking about. You know, she's not even in the movie. No, she's not. But in she's the movie. super annoying in the book. But I think that would be confusing to have the Duchess and the Queen, mm-hmm. and you know. And again, this is England, so they they would have known all these things about royalty. But the Duchess, along with tossing babies in the air, she also gives a puzzling riddle, and she says, "Flamingos and mustard both bite," and the moral of that is, birds of a feather flock together. Nonsense. Absolute nonsense. <laughs> that's why i love it like wait. goodness makes no sense i know again it with this game of croquet there's more animals in the book there is a side story because again books have more opportunity to go on these tangents but mm-hmm. there's a side story of a griffin and a mock turtle that interrupt the game of croquet if i this is the most boring part of the book right it just has nothing no to do with the rest of the no, story. No point. Slows down, like, slows down the game of croquet. They talk to her about this way, the, this ballroom dance that has something to do with lobsters and what the mock turtle learned in school. And it just... <laughs> yeah. Lots of extra animals with not a whole lot of purpose. At the end, in the end of the movie, Alice is on trial um, because, you know, in the queen in the queen's court, she's on trial. In the book, the queen's knave is the, on, is the one on trial for stealing the queen's tarts. Mm-hmm. So both have a trial. Different people are on trial. The queen orders, and and this whole court is backwards. So Mm -hmm. the queen orders sentences first and verdicts after. Which just fits in with the whole story of everything being backwards. Everything is backwards. Mm -hmm. Up is down, down is up. You get sentenced first before you get a verdict. Mm -hmm. Alice, rightfully so, points out how ridiculous this is. Although I don't know how she would have known. She's a seven-year-old. I don't know how Mm -hmm. you would have known how the courts work. She's my seven-year-old. That's when the cards begin to attack her, and then that is when she wakes up. And she, in the book, it's she's not with her mother in the beginning. In the book, she's with her sister, but she does still wake up, and she's back in the normal world. Mm-hmm. The end. So, I think this is one of the closest movie storyline, uh, movie and then book lines there are. The the book and the movie are super similar. They just the movie just cut stuff out that wasn't necessary, mm-hmm. and then changed little things like the mom to the sister which Mm -hmm. is seemingly insignificant in the whole Mm -hmm. story because this is scary tales right Mm -hmm. so we talk about the real real life horror of of the story behind fairy tales and where that comes in today is a with the author himself lewis carroll right because the original story wasn't necessarily scary so much as it was just absurd Mm -hmm. but it's more of the author that had some questionable mm-hmm. creepy he very background. much so reminded me that this reminded me of the author of peter pan yes the davy the davies boys yes but with girls yes yes um i did think about that mm-hmm. so lewis carroll is that's not his real name 
His his real name is Charles Ludwig Dodgson. Uh, He was born in 1832 in Daresbury, Cheshire, England, which is where we get the name. The Cheshire Cat. The Cheshire Cat. He got this pen name by uh, taking his own name, Charles Ludwig, and translating it into Latin, which was Carolus Ludoviscus. And then he... Reverse those names. Yeah, reverse those names and then translated the Latin names into English. So ends up with Lewis Carroll. Uh, we should do that to our own names. Oh, and we could post that mm-hmm. one there. Yeah. So translate our names into Latin and then switch the order and mm-hmm. then translate and it. And that'll be our names from English. now on. <laughs> and thus we will go by mm-hmm. those names. He was noted to be very intelligent, but... He was not super social. He had a lot of social anxiety because he had a slight stutter. So not horrible, but he had a stutter. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people say that when he pronounced his name Dodgson, he would stutter and say Dodgson. And that's where the Dodo mm-hmm. name comes from. Um, he also, along with his stutter, had a, and I don't know if you, if this is a medical thing technically, but he was described to be asymmetric, which meant Like everything was a little bit off center where one shoulder was higher than the other. One eye was higher than the other. His smile was a little bit crooked. Sounds to me like he's had a stroke with the side of scoliosis. Yeah. Because he also was deaf in one ear and walked with a limp. So it does seem like one side of his body was a little like Mm -hmm. lower or behind than the other one. At 18, he left home and attended Christ Church College in Oxford, as a lot of these famous writers did where he stayed for the next 20 years. So he was a student and then eventually became a professor and a mathematician, which I would have Which is so interesting that he's not, yeah, he's not an English. Yeah, math doesn't really come up in the story. So Mm -hmm. I was confused. Uh, Dodgson created the Lewis Carroll name while he was in college so that he could write children's books that were unconnected to his academic career. So trying to kind of create some separation between his professorship versus his authorship. And why would anybody, people might think like, why would I want to read a children's book by a mathematician? Yeah. So he just switched up his name. Or or because they were so bonkers that if they read it, they would probably think you're actually kind of crazy. Doing some substances. Probably. (laughs) That's my assumption. He was known for forming really close friendships with children um, and not having as many relationships with adults, which, again, the culture was just kind of fascinated with young girls anyway as these like doll-like characters, but it still feels weird to us. He is, he was friends with the children of a lot of his colleagues and acquaintances, so he would you know get to know his colleagues and then end up wanting to spend more time with the kids than with the adults. Mm-hmm. He would write them letters, which reminds me of the Peter Pan mm-hmm. letters. One letter, do you want to read this one letter that he wrote? He sent a little girl a letter, a 10-year-old girl that said, extra thanks and kisses for the lock of hair, which, how did he get this girl's lock of hair? I have kissed it several times for one of having you to kiss, you know, even hair is better than nothing. I don't like it. That might be worse than the... No, nothing's worse than than the the bent bent candlestick. (laughs) So we've said he was especially, you know, gravitated towards these younger girls, one time he even wrote in general that he preferred them over boys. I don't know if that's just like some psychological childhood trauma from growing up. Like if he had a stutter and 
was kind of deformed, if he was maybe rejected by a lot of the boys his age and maybe gravitated towards girls. I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm Just I'm the theori- fact that I'm, you have a preference. I'm theorizing that there, yeah. When Henry George Little became the dean of Christ Church at Oxford, where Lewis Carroll was attending school, he became close with Henry's three daughters, whose names were Lorena, Matilda, and then most famously, Alice. So, yes, the Alice in Wonderland of the stories has a real-life inspiration of a little girl named Alice as well. Then, in 1862, Carol starts hanging, along with one of his other colleagues, takes these three girls out on a picnic and a rowing trip along the Thames River, which you you had mentioned something about the Thames. Yes, I don't. I know during that time, the Thames River was known to be absolutely disgusting and where everyone dumped their waste. And sometimes the smell from the Thames River was so bad, like people had to move outside of London. So not, not maybe they not had pleasant cotton balls a, stuck up their nose. Not pleasant for a picnic, it would seem. Mm-hmm. Along with a the picnic, they, he would, uh, Carol would entertain the girls by telling them a story and just making up stuff and you know, telling them stories to keep them entertained, mm-hmm. which these stories he would eventually put together to become Alice in Wonderland. Uh, later, uh, Carol wrote in his diary, he was kind of reflecting back on that day, and Carol wrote in his diary, in a desperate attempt to strike out some new line of fairy lore, I had sent my heroine straight down a rabbit hole to begin with, without the least idea of what was to happen afterwards. And I don't think you knew what was happening as you were writing it. No. it's just that makes, whatever thought comes that to That makes more sense. That statement in his diary makes more sense than anything he actually wrote mm-hmm. in Alice in Wonderland. I also read while they were on this trip, it was like a downpour of rain, and they were soaked, and that was where they got the inspiration for the, um, the sea creatures they running when they're getting the race, wet. Trying mm-hmm. to dry off. Mm-hmm. Uh, after spending years refining and editing the story, he finally published Alice in Wonderland in 1865. I guess it technically first edition was called Alice's Adventures Underground, mm-hmm. which just doesn't sound good. Then he eventually wrote the sequel, Alice Through the Looking Glass and What Alice Found There. Mm-hmm. And that's something we could cover down I know, the that's road. I that could be another episode. He was also known to be a, a good photographer. And interestingly enough, some of those photographs that he took happened to be of nude or semi-nude children. Not surprisingly, including the girls we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. Alice, there, there's or a, Alice's sister. Apparently, he took a full frontal nude shot of Alice's sister, Lorena. Which, I don't know why. I mean, I need to do some more research on this. Mm-hmm. But there, there is reason behind this. Yeah. And at the time, it wasn't weird. So Right. Because, and that's why, I like, historically, in that time period, it wasn't weird. Like, I read one thing that said... Some some parents would send like Christmas cards or greeting cards with new children on them. Their children mm-hmm. on them, and there were many famous art. There, or there were other famous artists like Julia Margaret Cameron and Oscar Rolander. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but they also did studies on nude child uh, which nude you pictures. S- which children's. you see like nude statues and paintings and stuff. It's just not normally children. Children. It makes anyone feel better. Lewis Carroll apparently got permission from their the children's parents before he took the pictures of he probably them. was like i'll take pictures for you if y'all want to send these out as a greeting card could be still weird to me but apparently it wasn't to them and he also reportedly destroyed the pictures or returned the pictures to the children when they were of age or if they passed or something 
So it wasn't like he was selling these pictures and making profit no, from I them. Think, I think that's a more modern day concept than back then. But we, we have another quote for you that... Uh, um, you do this one for us. Okay. He once wrote, I confess I do not admire naked boys in pictures. They always seem to me to need clothes, whereas one hardly sees why the lovely form of girls should ever be covered up. Yeah, I have no words. Again, I'm going to assume he had some childhood trauma. In 1863, Carol's relationship with the Little family just abruptly ended. Wonder why. Yeah, you can make your assumptions. He did eventually resume communication with Henry, who was, again, his colleague, but he never again spent time alone with their daughters. I can can see that. And there were rumors that he proposed to Alice when she was just 12 years old, and that's why they cut the friendship off. But apparently in the mid-1800s, the age of consent to marry was only 12 years old, and older men married young brides all the time, so... Something happened, and I also read where he kept up with this diary and pages from his diary that would be describing the this time period were missing. So we, we're not really sure why. Yeah. What, what happened what, with this relationship? We don't officially know what happened. Mm-hmm. Eventually, as Alice got older, like uh, obviously their friendship kind of seemed to dissipate. When Alice was only twelve years old, Carol wrote that she seemed quote a changed a good deal and hardly for the better. So How can he, you say that about a 12-year-old? Right. He seemed to note some things changing about her, and he didn't like what was changing. As Alice grew up, so obviously Carol noted that she was changing, but she, she seems to have changed for the better. He didn't mm-hmm. like it, but she she seems to have done great for herself. She, she was living that fancy life. She's this Victorian lady. She's in she's in this society. Bougie. She, she is. She actually meets Queen, Queen Victoria's youngest son, Prince Leopold, who was pursuing an undergraduate degree at Christ Church, which is where her father was mm-hmm. the so she was around like dean or whatever. Yeah. yeah, so she would have been they they would have their paths would have crossed. So they met, which I wish there was a story on that. Like that could have been somebody should have wrote storyline. Yeah, yeah, where you know this romantic fairy tale where they fall in love, um, but the queen insisted that her son marry a woman of royal lineage which kept them apart. So they fell in wah, So wah. they liked each other, but the queen said, she's not royal, so y'all can't get married. Then, I wish that was a story. Yes. When Alice was 28, she married a wealthy cricketer named Reginald Hargraves. He was another Christchurch student at Westminster Abbey in 1880. And only after her wedding did Prince Leopold follow through with his mother's wishes Aww. and marry a German princess in 1883. So, so like, it looks like, like, like it was like hold, he was holding out for her. Holding and out hope. Once she got married, he was like, fine, I'll marry the German mm-hmm. princess. And much like Carol did in his book, Prince Leopold went on to give Alice's name to his daughter. <gasps> that just like oh my goodness. broke my friggin' heart. In turn, Alice also named the second of her three sons Leopold and asked the prince to be the boy's godfather. Stop. I have chills. Mm-hmm. That makes me, like, so sad. All, but also, I feel like their spouses wouldn't Oh, no. They were it. definitely in love. So, yeah. There is a man named Jake Fior who is famous for collecting material relating to Alice in Wonderland. Your dream job? Correct. 
And he is in possession of these letters that Prince Leopold would send to Alice and vice versa. And in this letter from 1883, Leopold is responding to a letter that Alice sent him about naming her son Leopold. And he said, It is very good of you asking me to be godfather to your boy, as I shall have great pleasure in being so. Please let me know what his names are to be and the date of his christening, though I fear it would be impossible for me to be present. Which if he didn't know the date already, why couldn't he be present other than there is spouse wouldn't have like wanted him to do that. Right. He also wrote her on the eve of her wedding to Reginald, where he stated that he shared in her joys and sorrows. So it just seems like a really like star crossed lovers here. I know. Leopold died a year after writing that letter about the christening. <gasps> that seems soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eighteen eighty three. Yeah. And then, and then even furthermore, uh, Alice's son Leopold and his brother Alan were both killed in World War II. Why? Why isn't this the the story? Yeah, or we could have just left that out instead of breaking the listener's heart. I but know, just got to break your heart a little bit. Seemingly unable to recover from the shock of losing his two eldest sons in the war, Reginald, Alice's husband, died in 1926. Alice, for her part, she remained active in society. And in 1928, she sold the illustrated Alice's Adventures Underground, which was, again, the original title of the book. She sold that manuscript, which was gifted to her by Carol. Ouch. I know. When she was a child uh, to an American dealer for 15,400, I guess that's francs. Pounds. Or pounds, yeah. Which Mm -hmm. would have been in American dollars, which would have been $20,000. That seems cheap. So he, yeah. So he, yeah. To us, it does. For an original manuscript. Copy. I can't even imagine what that's worth now. But so Carol had gifted it to her when he died, and she then turned around and sold it. But that's okay, because UK got it back in 1948. And you can go see it in the museum. And mm-hmm. Add that to we'll the add list. Add that to our list, our mm-hmm. travel list. In honor of the centennial of Lewis Carroll's birth, birth, which a then 80-year-old Alice, she traveled with her son and her sister to New York City, in 1932 and attended a Lewis Carroll exhibition and she received an honorary doctorate from Columbia University for quote awakening with her girlhood's charm the ingenious fancy of a mathematician familiar with imaginary quantities stirring him to reveal his complete understanding of the heart of a child oh so she got this award for basically being the inspiration I, I just like that she lived to 80 years old because yeah. back then that's and she's old. like let's go to new york city but then two years later alice sadly died at the age of 22 but obviously her <laughs> le- age of 22 is that what <laughs> so sad <laughs> she benjamin buttoned it <laughs> oh gosh sadly two years later alice died at the age of 82 but obviously her legacy continues to live on to note none of the girls that carol took pictures with or had close relationships with including alice ever came forward with allegations of sexual abuse they always spoke really highly of carol so Which is different than like the the when we mm-hmm. talked about the michael peter jackson pan. yeah peter pan like later people had said oh you know they had gone back mm-hmm. and said yes this was not right and she had that, a lot of time to think about and it this never yeah this 82. never happened i mean i don't think she would have gone to an award ceremony for mm-hmm. him if right. anything like nefarious outside of the you know obviously right. culturally we don't do that now mm-hmm. but nobody ever came forward and said anything yeah and then 
Carroll eventually died of influenza and pneumonia on January 14, 1898. But like we said, his legacy lives on. And it became one of my favorite Disney movies. It's bonkers. Makes no sense, but... Sounds right up my alley. But we, but we like it. We like it. And what we like even more is our, our snack break for today. Snacks. 10 out of 10 excited. Oh, I can't wait. I cannot wait. Stick around. We'll be back. It's a snack break and it's a snack and it's an exciting snack break today. Why? Because we today's we have a sponsor for today's <gasps> snack break episode. We are featuring our new friends over at Fairy Tale Brownies. Scary Tales. Scary Tales. Fairy, fairy tales. tales. They sent us the cutest card that said we love fairy ta- all fairy tales, even the scary ones. Oh. So it's a perfect match. We are so excited. Uh, to try these brownies, well, we, full disclosure, we've been snacking on these brownies you, you know we all did. week. We could not even wait for this snack break. They sent us a whole box full of these brownies, every flavor you could possibly imagine. So, uh, Lacey, do you want? We were going to share some of our favorite mm-hmm. favorites because there were honestly there were too many to try all at once in a snack break. So we've been. Spacing them, spacing out, over them the, out over the past week. I've been taking them to work. I like the original. Yeah, we started with the original. Classic. You got to go with that. And then I obviously like caramel. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't love a good caramel? Caramel's good. I, cream cheese. The original also is very good. Just good base. It's just a good base brownie. Then mm-hmm. anything you add on top of it is delicious. Extra. Cream cheese. Cream cheese is great on anything. Uh, it's so, and this is not just. I, I really liked the the cream cheese and the white chocolate. The white chocolate brownie has the white chocolate drizzled on top, mm. but the cream cheese has it like marbled Mar- into. Yeah, it's so good. It's they very come good. in different sizes. There's a ton of other flavors. You've got walnut, espresso nib, cinnamon, cinnamon, pecan. Yeah, you've got ton. There's tons of flavors. Mm-hmm. This whole idea for the company was started by two kids just on playing on a kindergarten playground. They had a dream of having a brownie company one day. I imagine them just making mud pies and like... Yeah, and then they grew up and they did it. That's so good. And on top of that, they now use their brownies to raise money for their nonprofit partner, Kaboom, which helps build playgrounds. The circle of life. It comes. It all comes full circle. Love that. They have estimated that in their lifetime, they think they've made about 60 million brownies. Do you think we'll make 60 million podcasts? That would, I would love that. I would love that too. They test taste each batch of brownies to make sure that each one has the highest quality and standards. You can stick these babies in your fridge and keep them good for 30 days or the freezer to keep them good for six months. Which they're not going to last you six months because you're no. going to eat them. You're going to want to eat them Every day. Absolutely. You're going to want Maybe if you quickly. get a stockpile. Right. Maybe you get an extra large order. And we can attest to putting them in the fridge as well mm-hmm. that we had some when we first got the order. Super fresh. You know, you could smell the flavors as soon as you open the package. Like nice, I, I want to say like a nice moist brownie, but I know mm-hmm. people don't like that word, but it was. It was so moist. Then we had some after putting, leaving them in the fridge and they tasted the exact same. Like, mm-hmm, like did straight not out lose, the oven. Did not lose any quality. 
highly, highly recommend fairy tale brownies. Mm-hmm. And not only if, if brownies aren't your thing, don't don't you worry because they also have blondies and cookies. So we, we need to give those a shot in the future. But if you want to get your own fairy tale brownies, just so you know, shipping is always free. But you can use our code, which is 152LL, to get 15% off your purchases of $50 or more through May 31st, which just so happens to be my birthday. I just noticed that. Hey, well, have, oh, I'm going to have to get some right I'm going to get time. you some brownies for your, for your birthday. You can find fairy tale brownies at their website is brownies.com. Love that. Love how they just snagged that. I know that. they got that. Mm-hmm. I mean, how is that still available? Yeah. You can find them at brownies.com. Shipping is always free. Again, you can use our code 152LL to get a little discount. And let us know how you like them. Send them. You can follow them on Instagram too, Fairytale Brownies, and check them out. And you can use their um, hashtag brownie love. Yep. Let them know that we sent you. And uh, until next snack break, I think it's time we get on to some. Good old true crime. Now that our bellies are full, let's get get scary. scary. Mm -hmm. And we're back. You know what time it is. It's your favorite part of the show. Time to get spooky. Time to get scary. It's the true crime portion of our show where we dive into some real life or that connects, that to, connects our, to the to the fairy tale or the story that we featured. Right. So Hannah's always curious as to what true crime I'm going to pull in. Yeah, because we always start with our fairy tales first, and it always I always am interested to see like where what's the connection she's going to make. Mm-hmm. Well, today's just <laughs> the fact that uh, the girl's name is Alice, and she's from England, and we will be talking about the murder of Alice Ruggles. Tell me about her. All right. Well, Alice was born on Christmas Eve in 1991 to Sue and Clive Ruggles. People described Alice as outgoing, kind, hardworking. She said that she just had this great sense of humor and can make anyone laugh. We all we all love someone like that. Hey, you're I've kind, never you're kind of like that. Hey, thanks. I hope I don't get murdered. Yep. and featured on a podcast one you day. You won't. You'll be okay. Thank you. Her family was really close-knit. She had two brothers and one sister, and even as the siblings grew up and moved away, they were said to all stay connected via that. You had to tell me this the other day because apparently I'm just getting old and I don't know what this is, but is it called WhatsApp? I think it's WhatsApp. just WhatsApp. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just like a messaging app where a lot of times when people travel, it was a way to communicate more cheaply. Like you oh. didn't, they didn't have to pay for any kind of like rates or messaging or mm. anything like that. WhatsApp. WhatsApp. What that? <laughs> Alice and her siblings were raised in Le- Leicestershire. I'm gonna say that's how you pronounce that. And it was in a small, quiet village of Turlington. At school, Alice was involved in the drama department and was in several school plays. I wonder if she was ever in Alice in Wonderland. Again, with a circle of life. Which we didn't dig that far, but but if she how was. How crazy if she was Alice in Alice in Wonderland. Mm, that gives me like weird. Which not confirmed. We're just going to hope that yeah. that was the case. Alice was also very skilled at fencing, which I feel like is a very English thing. I don't know of a single person that's no. fence. I've never seen a person fence. No, but I do feel like that's just a, a, a like England's version of something mm-hmm. that we do all the time. They mm-hmm. probably practice fencing in like, PE at school. Yeah, at, where we practice like 
Did you do the pain dancing? Uh, we did, yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's, but that's also just like Alabama. <laughs> um, when she was 18, Alice attended Northumbria University, which was located about 200 miles north of uh, where she was from. And she actually chose the university mainly for its renowned fencing team. Oh, so she didn't just like do fencing. She, she was, was like on yeah. a fencing team mm-hmm. in college. Good for her. She graduated from the university in 2014 with a degree in product design engineering and was able to quickly get a job at a UK broadcasting company called Sky, which was in Newcastle, England. And she worked there as a site coordinator and would introduce people to the job. So she was basically just like this social butterfly that took new people in, showed them around, showed them the ropes. So, you, you know, you, you have she to be like a, a people person. Right. Like right. super outgoing, just... Mm-hmm. Probably, mm-hmm. probably never met a stranger, just was able to talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. Alice was single at that time, and she one day received a pleasant surprise on Facebook when she saw that a handsome young man named Harry Dillon commented on one of her pictures that she was tagged in, and he said, she is the most naturally beautiful woman I have ever seen, talking about Alice. And I do, I included a picture of her up there. She is yeah, a very she is, pretty girl. Yeah, she's very yeah, very and pretty. he was a very handsome guy. So, but looks can be deceiving, I imagine. Uh, yes, Harry Dillon. A little bit about him. His real name was actually Treman Dillon, and he was originally from India. And he moved to the UK. His dad was in the army, and so he was kind of like uh, an army brat, I guess, and moved around all the time. And he was raised in, as an only child in a very devout Sikh household. So when he was given the opportunity to study abroad at Queen Margaret University in Edinburgh, he jumped on the chance, and this was, you know, a chance to get away from his very strict mm-hmm. upbringing. Once graduating from university, Harry decided to enlist in the British Army, and while in the Army, Harry actually rose to the rank of Lance Corporal, and his first tour of duty was in Afghanistan. So not long after he commented on the photo... You know, Alice saw him. She was like, oh, he's looking good. You want to well, yeah, he's like a, he's a like a, you know, fancy, handsome army guy that's mm-hmm. got some rank in the army, too. Yeah, might as well. Might as well. The two began messaging back and forth and video chatting several times a week. And from the outside, Harry was just a very sweet, charming, handsome dude. And Alice fell pretty quickly for him. So when Harry eventually returned to the UK from Afghanistan, the two finally met in person for the first time, and they spent a vacation together, one week in Newcastle, where Alice was from, and then another in Edinburgh, um, which if you didn't know, was in Scotland. I, I don't know. Me and Hannah are horrible at geography, so I just thought I'd share that. But Yeah, but you at least have been to Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah so you know. Uh-huh. Um, and Edinburgh is where Harry's barracks were. So she also went there and they had a a nice little vacation. And then Harry returned to Afghanistan for his final tour of duty. And at that time he would be gone for another about two months. So I imagine this is because this is kind of a long term or long, long distance relationship. There's this, these moments where they're together for a long period of time Mm -hmm. and then they're apart for a period of time. And then they're, when they're together, they're like trying to make up for lost time. Right. And it's not. You don't really get to know someone until you spend a lot of time with them. Right. And if, you, if you're having to do these like intermittent, you know, stints with people, mm-hmm. I do imagine it would be hard to get that like consistency. Mm-hmm. Not long after Harry came back from the UK in April, all of Alice's friends, her family, her coworkers all noticed a very distinct, drastic change in Alice. 
She was no long, no longer her usual bubbly, cheery self. She was normally super animated, and like we said, she loved jokes and was a social butterfly, but people started to notice that she became increasingly distant and withdrawn. And not only that, another sign that they, you know, it's hindsight's twenty twenty, but she had also started losing a lot of weight in a short period of time. Yeah, and that's, that's never a good thing. Which, yeah, again, like you said, hindsight's twenty twenty, but right. that's always a sign to realize mm-hmm. something's wrong. So I was watching a documentary on the case, and one of her friends was being interviewed about this weird behavior that they started noticing. And she said that she, along with Alice and several of their girlfriends, rented a cottage for a girl's trip. And just side note, she said that they all dressed up as Disney princesses, which like... Why haven't we done that? Yes. Just... Is there a costume store around here? Our husbands always go on the camping trip every Mm -hmm. summer. Why don't the girls go on like a Disney princess cottage trip? Sign me. Um, So that sounded fun. But she said the whole time while they were all having fun, Alice seemed very distracted and was on her phone constantly and not in like a smitten, I'm going to text my boo every five seconds, but crying because her and Harry were arguing constantly. And she said that Alice never cried. This was one of the only times that she had seen Alice cry. So according to this friend, Harry would comment on the size of Alice's nose and the amount of hair on her forearms, which that's a weird flex, but okay. Also, those are two things that like are hard to, I mean, okay. Okay. Thanks. All right. He would also make fun of the way she dressed and tell her that she didn't have anyone to impress. Okay, Harry. Sometimes you dress up. Maybe she wants to impress herself. Right. You f- you look good, you feel good. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Back yeah. up, Harry. <laughs> Here, what is that? Oh, no, that's Charlie. Ah, Charlie, you bit my finger. <laughs> I was going to say, Mary, you bit my finger. Harry did not like Alice going out drinking, wearing makeup, or dressing nicely to go out, and he would go through her text messages, always a good sign, and social media, and anytime she spoke to another man, he accused her of flirting and being disloyal, so I want you to remember that, that he was always blaming her, that she was flirting and being disloyal. Okay. Eventually, Alice became so depressed that she no, no longer went out with her friends and became combative with her housemates. And as a result of this, she moved out and went to live with her co-worker, whose name was Maxine McGill, and they lived in a flat in Gateshead. So that escalated from mm-hmm. just, like, her being upset to her being combative and literally, like, moving away mm-hmm. from her friends. Maxine, too, would notice that something was off about this relationship, and she was telling this story about how one time Alice was in the shower and Harry had to pee and so he forced her to get out of the shower and go stand in the hall naked and wet while he peed, which, like, I assume he's your boyfriend. I, I assume you've seen ba- it. Just come in and go to the bathroom. Pee if you yeah. gotta go that bad. Maybe he had, he maybe had a, um, <laughs> the runs. Maybe. But, but still. But still, just, like, give her time to dry off. He didn't give her a towel and didn't let her dry off anything. So that was kind of strange. Just ma- manipulative behavior. Mm-hmm. The whole time Harry was attempting to assert his control over Alice, he himself was using dating apps such as Tinder to have casual sex with whoever he wanted. Oh, so he's not just talking to other girls. He's actually hooking up with other girls Mm -hmm. and getting mad at Alice for For, like speaking to to acquaintances. Yeah. Yeah. In late July, early August 2016, one of these women that Harry had been chatting it up with contacted Alice and was like, this is what's going on. And Alice was finally like, this is enough. 
I've had enough of this, and she dumped Harry. Or she tried to dump Harry. Yeah, I feel like these kinds of people are always harder to get rid of than you think. He is. They're like cockroaches. Yeah. I was just fixing to say, what is that saying where people, the thing that are hard to get rid of, and it is cockroaches, good job. They can survive an atomic bomb. Yeah. Because we will see, the harder that Alice tries to push Harry away and move on, the more he becomes angry and just things keep escalating. He begins to harass her and torment her. So... In the weeks following the breakup, Harry called Alice, texted her, emailed her, any form of communication, and he did this constantly. And sometimes he would be pleading with her to take him back, telling her how much he loved her and that he would change. And then other times he was just straight up manipulative, trying to guilt her into getting back together with him. Sometimes he would sob and say that he would kill himself and it would be her fault, which is the ultimate form of manipulation, in my opinion. Then there were threatening... Especially, me- pause, especially with someone like Alice, who's like so... Yeah, sweet. Sweet and kind-hearted and nice. Like, mm-hmm. she's going she's gonna to give in to that kind of manipulation. Right. So he knew how to manipulate her. Mm-hmm. Then there were threatening messages in which he told oh. her he had compromising photos of her that he had taken secretly, mind you. And if she did not get back together with him, he would post them online. So since the guilt didn't work, he just moved to blackmail? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. As one does, Quality I suppose, guy. when you're crazy... Quality. Quality. At first, Alice tried to be nice and let him down easy, but when she realized that this was not working, she just began ignoring him, which still, that's nicer than I would have been. I would have been about ready to smack somebody upside the head with a (laughs) baseball bat. So Harry was enraged. Alice was ignoring him, and he just began calling her constantly. But not only her, he began calling her family and friends pleading with them to try and reason with her, which, boy, what? <laughs> why do you think that they would? <laughs> Everything you say is like, I'm like, oh, that's bad. And then the next thing I'm like, okay, well, that's just going to keep getting worse. He is just literally insane. So they were like, no, Harry, um, you should Which probably. none of them liked him anyway because no. they saw how horrible, like, Alice had kind of retreated into herself when they were dating. Mm-hmm. So none of them are going to be like, yeah, y'all were great. Get back right. together. Alice began receiving letters from Harry in which he wrote poems about how much he loved her and needed her. And let me say this. I didn't, if a boy ever wrote me, like, uh, Chase, like, writes songs that I like, but, like, uh, if you're not an artist and a writer and you're just writing crappy poems, well, get yeah, out of here. Also, if you're not together. If you're together and somebody writes that about you, it can be sweet and endearing. But if you're not together, it comes across as a little, like... To, oh, just stalker, yeah. which he is, so. He wrote things like... I am going to make you my wife. That's a great way to get a gal. Just if any of y'all are out here, they're listening and need some tips, just would, go ahead and tell would her. Would not recommend that you write a poem and leave her leave it in her mailbox that mm-hmm. says, I'm going to make you my wife. <laughs> Harry managed to hack into Alice's social media accounts and read all of her private messages so he knew not only who she was talking to, but where she was going. And in early September, he found out that Alice was dating an army officer named Mike. Alice actually met Mike while she was visiting her sister Emma in Germany. Her sister was also in the army, which I thought was pretty cool. The two hit it off right away, and Alice's flatmate, Maxine, would later say of Mike, Mike made her very happy. She told me that. She had a great couple of days with her sister and Mike. It was a strong bond between the two. They got on like a house on fire, and she said the banner between them was unreal. That's how she put it. Alice and Mike's relationship continued to thrive. 
All the while, Harry becomes more and more jealous, more and more obsessed. He messaged Mike, telling him how horrible Alice was and that she was actually still in love with him, him being Harry. Sure. But Mike knew what Harry had been doing to Alice, and this didn't faze him. I was about to say, I'm sure Alice told Mike some mm-hmm. of what was going on. Right. On Friday, September 30th, things got even weirder. That afternoon, Harry left a voicemail on Alice's phone pleading with her to call him back. And when she didn't call him back, he made the two-and-a-half-hour drive from his barracks in Edinburgh to Alice's flat in Gateshead. And once he arrived, he rang the doorbell several times and then went and hid. (laughs) He's playing ding-dong ditch in Mm -hmm. his ex-girlfriend's house. That's real mature. Mm Mm-hmm. A few hours later, he climbed over the wall into their backyard and knocked on Alice's bedroom window. Alice was obviously terrified, peeked out the window, and on her windowsill sat a box of chocolates and a bouquet of flowers. And she also saw a glimpse of Harry backing away from the window and slowly holding up his hands. Terrifying. Then Harry left her another voicemail. And he told Alice that he realized that she did not want to talk to him on the phone. Do you know? Uh-huh. You so finally, he just drove down to Gateshead instead and left her flowers and chocolates to say he was sorry for not leaving her alone. As he's not leaving her alone. Right. Math checks out. The next vo- voicemail he left sent shivers up Alice's spine because he began the voicemail by saying, You said that guys like me end up killing people. And As if he was trying to convince himself that he was not a psychopath, he said, I don't want to kill you. I'm not intending to kill you. So it kind of sounds like to me like he's trying to talk himself out of. He's trying to talk himself out of mm -hmm. doing something that everyone knows he is likely like capable of doing. Right. So at this point, Alice, and rightfully so, was terrified and she called the police. And I have for you a um, a clip of the 911 call. So even in that phone call, you can kind of, she just sounds so nice and polite and tries to downplay the situation. Like she's like, he just left a box of chocolates and he didn't do anything, but. But it still freaked her out. Mm -hmm. The operator told Alice that she could either hire a solicitor, which I guess is like an attorney and take out a, an injunction or a restraining order, or Harry could be issued a police information notice, also known as a pin. And she explained to Alice that a pin would mean that if he came near Alice again, he would be arrested. And this gave Alice a false sense of security because that is, in fact, not what a pin is. A pin... I was going to say, I thought that's what a restraining order mm -hmm, was. Right. So they got those kind of like flip-flopped almost. A pin would only inform Harry that Alice had contacted the police. Like, hey, oh, hey, police bud. information notice. It's uh-huh. just informing someone that the police has been notified of you. Correct. Which, why, why does that exist? Right. So that's strike one against the police. That was a mistake. An officer from Northumbria police called Harry's barracks in Edinburgh asking to speak with a superior. 
and the army superior was notified that Harry was being issued a pin. And, um, that was it though. Nothing else. At this time, Harry was told by his army colleagues, his friends, and even his doctor to stop contacting Alice. Yeah, because everybody else is like, you're an idiot. Everyone else is in their right mind. Of course, he didn't listen, and he began putting together a package to send to Alice. And in that package, he put notebooks, photos, and letters. And one of the letters was very hostile in tone. And he was complaining about the fact that Alice had reported him to the police. And he tried to make her feel guilty by writing that he had his phone, laptop, and iPad taken away. Which all wasn't true. But also, you deserve to go to jail and got your iPad taken away, supposedly. You sound like a child Mm -hmm. who's upset that they got their phone taken away for doing something stupid. Right. He finished the letter by writing, I'm in a lot of now, but hope you feel happy now. I'm sending you everything I have that reminds me of you as you belong to another man. Wishing you two a happy life. I will never come in your life again. So first problem is she don't belong to nobody. Well, and second problem is this, you're just lying. Uh-huh. Because sadly, she he, he will come into her life again. Alice had been instructed by the police to contact them if Harry got in touch with her again. So on October 7th, when she received the package, that's what she did. But rather on focus on the fact that Harry had violated the pen notice, the the operator on the phone was just preoccupied with the contents of the package, but not in a way of like an investigative standpoint, but more of she it sounded like she was just interested in the drama. Well, and I was going to say, I guess at the end of the day, notebooks, pens, and letters is probably not the most dramatic package that mm-hmm. the police has ever like. If had you didn't to know about, the- if you didn't, yeah, if you didn't know about all the other stuff, mm-hmm. if they're like, oh, an ex boyfriend left this on your porch, like, okay, maybe yeah. not the most earth shattering thing, but you add all the other yeah. stuff on top of it, and it's and they already knew he already, yeah. she had already called about the pen. So the operator told Alice that he would have. She he would have someone call her back to discuss what to do next, and as promised, Alice received a phone call from the police officer later that day. And on that call, Alice was asked if she would like Harry arrested. I would say, excuse me, sir, has he done something that warrants his arrest? And if so, arrest him. It shouldn't be up to her. Yeah, and I don't know if that's normal, like protocol. Mm-hmm. We find out later that it's not because they get in trouble for this. But Alice, being the nice girl that she is, was like, no, I don't want him arrested. Yeah, it it does seem like if there's something arrestable, arrest him. If there's not, don't ask me that Mm -hmm. because she's way too nice. You, you, I feel like you, I'm sorry, but I feel like you would do the same thing. I know. I I, I probably would. Yeah. You'd be like, don't arrest him. I like fault on the side of like trying to see the good Uh in people. And it sounded like Alice did also. On Wednesday, October 12th, it had been five days since the very disappointing phone calls with the police where they really didn't do anything. And while Alice was still very scared and anxious about what Harry was doing, she was doing her best to distract herself and trying to plan a trip to, or planning a trip with Mike because he was coming home from Germany. So she was excited and looking forward to that. Alice got home from work and went to her bedroom, and in between texting Mike, she began going through her closet, contemplating what she would like to wear that weekend. Little did she know, Harry Dillon was in her backyard, and this was... Again? Yeah, this was not the first time that week that he had even been in her yard. Oh, I was just talking about the time he, like, brought the flowers (laughs) and the chocolate to her back window. He's there all the time. Good. 
He had been there two days before on October 10th, taking photos of the backyard and windows as kind of a reconnaissance mission. It was dark, and neither Alice nor her flatmate, Maxine, had any idea that he was there. But on October 12th, through an open window, Harry snuck into the flat, and I guess sometimes in other countries where it's cooler climate, they don't have air conditioner, and I don't know if that's why the window was open, but it just why was the window open? You've got a serial crazy ex-boyfriend who has been known to come to your house? Yes, and it's, I'm not. Tr- I'm not trying to victim blame either. I'm just saying, like, why was it? No, open? I do think. Yeah, I mean, I do think. Again, it probably is just like cultural differences mm-hmm. of. It just sucks. We just hardly ever leave windows open mm-hmm. here in the south. Mainly here in the south because it's right. so. Um, you don't want to get you no skater on right. skater bite on your legs. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sure if we lived in in Europe, we would mm-hmm. leave our windows open all the time. Harry cornered Alice in the bathroom with a sharp knife that he found in the kitchen. And during the trial, the jury was able to hear how Harry, who was six foot one, had most likely kneeled on five foot two Alice's back, held her head up by her hair, and slashed her throat at least six times, cutting into her spinal cord. Alice suffered 24 injuries, which included defensive wounds, while Harry, on the other hand, suffered no serious injuries. He did have a couple of scratches on his face, though. So Alice's flatmate, Maxine, comes home from work and sees that the front door is locked. And not that she didn't have a key, but it had been locked by, like, the chain. Or or the deadbolt mm -hmm. or whatever. When she realized she didn't have her key... She climbed over the wall into the backyard and called for Alice, and there was no response. But Maxine was able to get into the house and climb through the, the, the same window by climbing through the same window that Harry was able to climb through. And once inside, she was greeted by, I can't even imagine, just an absolutely horrific sight. Can you imagine? You just think your, your flatmate, like, maybe locked the front door because they were uh-huh. taking a shower and you walk in and you see this. Oh, I was fixing to say, like, never expecting that, but I feel like if I was a friend of maybe, Alice, I would be kind of... You would... I wouldn't be expecting be, you it, You would both but, be shocked, but also not surprised. Uh-huh. Alice was lying on the bathroom floor with blood pulling around her, and Maxine could tell almost immediately that Alice was deceased. She said that her skin had already turned a translucent blue and she was unresponsive. And here is the um, video clip from that call. And that's um, Maxine saying, Alice, oh my God, she's dead. She's dead. On the Maxine called 999, which is their version of 911. And on the phone call, she immediately told them, I know who did this. It's Harry Dillon. Alice Ruggles would be pronounced dead at the scene, and the coroner would later conclude that Alice died of catastrophic blood loss as a result of her carotid artery being severed. Yeah, because didn't I mean, he cut all the way to the mm-hmm. like spinal yeah. cord? Right. Yeah. Harry Dillon was arrested in a matter of hours back at his barracks in Edinburgh, and at first he told the arresting officers he had no knowledge of Alice's death, but the evidence was absolutely overwhelming. As it turned out, Harry had been sitting in his car outside of Alice's flat on the, on the afternoon of October 12th, waiting for Alice to return home from work. And as he sat there, just fun fun little side note, he was messaging a girl on Tinder arranging to meet up for casual sex that evening. Which that's 
straight psycho mode mm-hmm. of you're planning to kill someone while also planning to after you've killed someone do something seemingly just normal. Normal. Yeah. And can you imagine if you were that girl? Oh gosh. And Finding you, that after. And, and like he doesn't respond to your Tinder messages <sighs> because he's been arrested. Yeah. For Hopefully they never met up. Well, no, because it wasn't he arrested only like a couple yeah, hours right. later. So mm-hmm. he would Sometimes have. people get in it fast, you know. Yikes. Between the last text, Alice sent Mike at 6.04 p.m. and Maxine finding her, Maxine finding Alice's body at 6.30 p.m. Uh, they just, between that time frame, between 6.04 and 6.30, Harry had murdered Alice. He then fled the flat with Alice's phone and knife and returned to Edinburgh where he discarded the knife. It was not difficult for detectives to come up with a conclusion that Harry had killed Alice. His phone records put him in Gateshead at the time she was killed. They also discovered Alice's blood on his steering wheel. And just not to mention every other dangerous and an obsessive thing that he had done leading right, up to not the to murder. Mention all the other things we just mentioned. How he thought he would get away with this is just mind-boggling. Well, because and apparently at the trial, didn't he apparently try to oh, say? Oh, oh, well, yeah, we don't. Yeah, okay. well, we're going to get to Cause it because it, it does blow my mind mm-hmm. that like, you don't just show up and say, "Okay, yeah, that, that, you've caught me." <laughs> He's still just like mm-hmm. play. He 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 went with his story because we're crazy. Early on Thursday, October thirteenth, Harry was arrested, and the following day he was charged with her murder. So it was just like bada boom, bada bang. At his trial, Harry took the stand for two days, and during his testimony. He said that Alice actually attacked him with the knife, and they ended up struggling, and he said that Alice accidentally stabbed herself in the neck as he was trying to pry the knife away from her. He stabbed her neck. She stabbed herself in the neck six times, slashing through her spinal cord. It's not funny, but it's funny that, like, he even thought that this was something that would work. I I wish there was a video of him explaining this. Like, He's like, and that's my story, and I'm sticking to and it. And the, uh, the other reason this she relates... She accidentally stabbed herself in the neck six times. Yep. The other reason I just saw that this relates to Alice in Wonderland is because this guy's absolute nonsense. Oh, there you go. Bad hatter right there. The webs there. we weave. Oh, I also did think um, the original Alice in Wonderland was called, like, Alice's Adventure Underground or mm-hmm. Alice Underground. This one probably, I mean, fits that. Yeah. Creepier. Cre- yeah, fits that Creepy vibe. title a murder. more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Despite describing the death of the girl that he supposedly loved so much, Harry just had a flat, unemotional face throughout the trial, and he clearly felt no remorse. And after deliberating for less than two hours, the jury found Harry Dillon guilty of Alice's murder. During the sentencing, Judge Paul Sloan remarked, not a shred of remorse have you shown from first to last. Indeed, you were concentrating so hard on getting your story right when giving evidence, you forgot even to shed a crocodile tear. Boom. Roasted. Zero, yeah, because zero emotion. Mm-hmm. In April 2017, Harry Dillon was sentenced to life in prison with a minimum of 22 years. I don't I don't understand how the justice system works. He I just needs to go to life. Just life. No mm-hmm. minimums. Just maximum of life. And I read where his um, Alice's parents are worried that he will be transferred right. to India because once he's there, they have no idea if when everything just gets mixed up and they wouldn't know if he got out of jail. Yeah, and scary. and they're convinced that he will come kill them. So yeah. let's keep let's wouldn't do everything su- we can to keep this person in jail, it wouldn't please. Wouldn't surprise me. Alice's parents later said. 
We believe that her death was preventable. We find it difficult to comprehend that although Alice described in her first phone call to the police that she was being stalked and provided ample evidence, the police and the Army were unable to support and protect her. So remember how I said the Army didn't do anything? Mm-hmm. Well, they... Well, he didn't he say they took away his like computer? Yeah, which we, we later found out that wasn't true. Right. But during his trial, it came out that the Army failed to record that Harry had a history of domestic assault. Because in fall of 2012, Harry had been in another relationship with an 18-year-old girl named Aniko, whom he abused exactly the same way that he did Alice. He commented on her looks, her appearance, her interactions with other men. And Aniko had also become isolated from her friends and family. Aniko, like Alice, had repeatedly tried to break off the relationship, and it actually took her two years before she managed to accomplish this, because we all know Harry at this point. And once realizing that Aniko had moved on, he began stalking her as well. And one day, he approached her and her new boyfriend in the street and began hurling insults at them. He said, "'Is this who you're sleeping with?' I, can't, I cannot believe you would leave me for this. Why did you take my girlfriend away? When Aniko told Harry she would call the police, he spat in her face. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> also, why did her... Because she, she was walking with her new boyfriend, right? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like... I, I, I why did her he boyfriend not tackle pummel him? Pummel him in the face. Why isn't anybody up in this point? How has no one punched Harry? Correct. So Harry was at that time charged with assault, but after he agreed to accept a restraining order, the charge was dropped. In October 2017, the Independent Office for Police Conduct filed an investigation into the handling of Alice's case by the Northumbria Police. And in September of 2018, they published their report and just basically said, yes, the the police did a crap job with this investigation. For one thing, the pin number or the pin that the operator told Alice this would protect her essentially was that's not the case. That's not what a pin does. And then the other thing being that the police officer said, well, do you want us to arrest him? Because that shouldn't be up to her. And apparently both of the officers were disciplined. It didn't say that they were fired. Sounds like they should be. The Ruggles family established the Alice Ruggles Trust with the key question in mind. If another Alice presented herself to the police today, would the outcome be any different? And I hope and think the answer to that would be yes. Yes, especially probably within that department. Within that. I was about to say, especially within this department, mm-hmm. because they had that firsthand experience with this, mm-hmm. where I'm sure anytime this comes up again, they probably all immediately think of Alice Ruggles. Mm-hmm. Like that's the case that's going to come up in the back of their minds for any future abuse, domestic stalking Mm -hmm. situation and it should the alice ruggles trust has been working to support police forces and implementing procedural change and updating training for the frontline officers and thankfully most have stopped using these pins because what i don't want yeah what does it actually do i guess it kind of like tells the person like you better watch out it's basically like a verbal warning Mm -hmm. like hey the police have been notified the police have been notified about you whereas i think a restraining order is is when you notify them, it's also like... You're going to get arrested. uh, Yeah, and if you do this again, you're going to get arrested. Mm -hmm. I feel like the pen is like... A step above If you do it again, then we'll tell you if you do it again, you'll get arrested. (laughs) Yeah, just... Just take that part out. Yeah. 
The Stalking Protection Act became law in 2019 with the purpose of creating a new civil stalking protection order to protect members of the public from risk associated with stalking. Thank you. I'm glad that 2019 is not that long ago. No, that's that's nuts. That's kind of nuts. Yeah. Um, Harry has tried to appeal his case because, you know, he didn't do it. Alice stabbed herself in the neck six times and all the way down to her spinal spinal cord. And so he tried to appeal his case, but his appeal was denied, his first appeal. So hopefully he will stay in jail for forever and won't get a chance to move back to India. And nobody will ever get stalked again. And I am glad, you know, silver lining that, you know, I try we try not to leave you on the scare, the scariest mm-hmm. note. But I do think for this one, silver lining is that there was some reform within the department that she worked with. That there is this trust that has been set up in her name that... A lot of times out of good or out of bad, there comes some sort of good, good change. And so, but anyways, that is sadly the story of Alice Ruggles, but we also brought you the story of Alice in Wonderland yeah. and we hope a- Alice in Wonderland's a probably more enjoyable story mm-hmm. than the real Alice in her story. Okay. Although it is weird. The, the original Alice in Wonderland. It'll, it'll, it'll make you um, keep your eye open. That's true. Don't don't let anyone stalk you. Yeah, keep for both of these stories. Keep your eyes open for uh, talking mm-hmm. animals, uh-huh. white rabbits, Harry cats, and but also keep your eyes open for stalkers like Harry Dillon. Right. Well, um, we will actually have a part two to this episode. Yeah, there's too much. There's too much in Alice in Wonderland, which is both Couldn't, a good and bad thing. We could probably have done three episodes. We have no idea how. We have no idea how many Alice in Wonderland episodes we're going to do, but we do know we are bringing you a part two next week next where time. we're going to kind of dive more into each character and what the characters were inspired by. And it's so fascinating. So stick around for that. And then are you going to tell them, are you going to give them a preview of the true crime part? Oh, um, do you want me to today? Should I? I don't know. I, you always I usually, want me to. No, I, we're don't. Let's I not. usually end up somehow accidentally spoiling it on Instagram every time. So if you follow us at in, on Instagram at Scary Tales Podcast, then Hannah will. Well, you ask me like you ask me questions on like a Instagram live or a story, and I always end up giving the an- the wrong answer, which mm-hmm. ends up spoiling something. So it's okay. We'll just wait till next time because I like also- to be today's true crime is this. I mean, like, well, how does that sound? Go, you know, like a big announcement. And if you if you head over to our Instagram, you can also check out. We'll tag fairy tale brownies. You can stock up on your brownies before the next episodes that you can snack along with us. Share your hashtag brownie love. Hashtag brownie love. We'll tag them. We'll post about them. And we'll bring you some more snacks next time as well. Right. As some more Alice in Wonderland info. Yep. We'll, we'll, we'll see you next time. Don't get stalked. Don't stalk people. Put it on what? a shirt. Put, it, put that on a t-shirt. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.